Welcome to the Aesthetic Doctor Podcast. We don't shy away and keep secrets here. We empower you with education, telling you the truth about all things aesthetic medicine while encouraging you to be the best version of yourself. It's time to look great and feel good doing it. This is your host, mom, speaker, and board-certified physician, Dr. Judith Forger. Hello, friends, and welcome to episode 33 of the Aesthetic Doctor podcast. Today, we have a very timely topic. We're going to talk about medicines used to treat obesity. I know unless you've been hiding under a rock, you have totally heard about all these new medicines that have come out to treat obesity. So today I'm so excited and happy to have Dr. Udayan, who is a family medicine physician and also an expert in the treatment of obesity. She is practicing at Apple Valley Family Medicine in Martinsburg, West Virginia. And she also hosts the Weekly Dose with Dr. Uday, which is a podcast where she really talks about all the primary care and medical questions patients have. She practices full spectrum family practice. She practices obesity medicine, and she also does some aesthetics. As a disclaimer before we go into this episode, of course, when we talk about these medicines and treatments for obesity, all the information that we talk about is for informational purposes only. And Dr. Udi and I are not your treating physicians unless you are our actual in-person patient. And so please, please, please go chat with your own doctor, get an actual consultation, um, we are just here to educate you with the expert, Dr. Udi. So welcome, Dr. Udi, and I hope you enjoy our interview. Dr. Udi, I'm so excited to have you here and to talk about these obesity medicines because, you know, I think they've been all the rage and the mission of my podcast is really to bring accurate information to patients and other consumers from the expert. And you are clearly an expert. You do a lot of obesity medicine, even though you do the full spectrum of medicine, which in my opinion, makes you even more of an expert because, you know, you have more than one, like you don't just have a name, one hammer and one nail. Like you can really look at the whole patient. You can treat the whole patient. And as part of that, if it's appropriate kind of um, start obesity medicines or obesity treatment. So first of all, if a patient really desires some obesity treatment, how does your process really begin and determine if somebody's even a good candidate? So um, when they first come in to see me, um, usually I have an intake that I do with them to get more information about the patient. Because, you know, everybody's different. Some people, you know, have a, you know, more of a genetic just predisposition. There's also, you know, a behavioral issue. They may have been some sort of trauma or psychological component to it. So it's, it's the full gamut. So I usually do an initial intake. Um, I tend to see my um, patients once, once a month. Um, and sometimes it, a lot of the times it's that lifestyle, um, working on the behavioral part of it. And then sometimes it can include medications as well, depending on what the patient wants to do. But there's, I always make sure that they know what the options are. 
So yes. I love that. I love that. So going into the medications, I think, you know, recently you can't have turned on the news or Instagram or Facebook or really like lived in this world without having seen that there's been some real breakthrough in the treatments for obesity over the last maybe what year or two. And so I would love to kind of dive deeper into what the medicines are. How do they work on the body? Sure. So um, there are quite a few categories that we have now. At first, it used to be just fentanyl, which is a stimulant. Um, but now we have stimulants, we have GLP-1 agonists, we have Contrave. So what I can do is I can just kind of run through briefly what the options are. That will be wonderful, especially I think the GLP-1s are the ones that are really hot right now, right? Yes, yes. So starting with the stimulants, um, there are two of them that come to mind. So um, fentanyl, it's been around for a while. Um, it is a stimulant. Um, and usually what I do with that is um, I have the patients um, take them in the morning because it's a stimulant. It can keep you up at night. So I usually recommend that they don't take it um, um, at nighttime. Now, the other recommendation I do um, mention to the patient is if there is any blood pressure issues because it's a stimulant, it can possibly raise their blood pressure. Um, I inquire about, you know, caffeine intake um, and stuff like that. Um, so if they are people that uh, drink a lot of caffeine, I would definitely recommend that they don't do that. Um, I tend to do an EKG um, in the office before prescribing that medicine, but it works very well. It's one of the ones that is um, price-wise is on the cheaper side too. So um, I like it for that purpose because um, a lot of times um, availability or you know coverage on insurance, obviously we got to make sure patients can afford the medicine. It runs about, I would say $30 um, a month. And um, with GoodRx, it can be, go down to about $10. Um, side effect profile, because it's a stimulant, um, some people, well, a lot of people like the fact that it can give them some energy. So um, a lot of times people like it because it gives them a pick-me-up. But again, it because it's a stimulant, some people can have some jitter, jitteriness with it, dry mouth. Um, and so I usually let patients know about that. But for the most part, people do really well. Um, if the side effect profile is um, more of an issue, then um, I would do lower doses with it. Um, oh, and then uh, as a disclaimer for everybody, this the information I'm giving you is for informational purposes only. If you're looking to get into this or um, have concerns, definitely direct um, questions to your primary care doctor um, and um, seek evaluation and help. Okay, so I'll keep going. So the second one is um, diethylpropion. I tend to use a lot more of the fentanyl, but this one also is a stimulant. Um, patients don't get as much of the um, kind of stimulant side effects with it, um, but it's, it's very similar to fentanyl. Um, and so it's one of the other options that we have. Um, there is another medicine called Qsemia. Now it's a combination of fentanyl and topamax. Now, Topamax, we use it for chronic headaches and, and has other indications that we use it for. But that combination of fentanyl and Topamax um, definitely helps with appetite suppression um, and um, early satiety. So um, a lot of times I patients can get on that, but pricing-wise and insurance coverage is not as good as with just the fentanyl by itself. So a lot of times I will break it 
break it up for that reason. Um, now, some people will mention um, a very small percentage might say um, they have like a brain fog with the Topamax or um, what I call paresthesias or kind of a numbness tingling in their fingertips. And so I do alert patients of that. Now, Topamax in itself helps um, patients that have an issue with um, soda intake, it makes soda taste flat. So sometimes with that intake, if that's an issue, then that would be something that I would ask them. And it's always, you know, option um, for the patient. So I'll keep going. So now into the GL. And, and just, just so yeah. I can add something, and obviously goes without saying that if you're already on another stimulant, like, like an Adderall or something like that, these medicines would not be for you, right? One or the other. And so I always tell them, so when I'm looking at it, if they're already on a stimulant, they're not going to get a second one. Yes. So very good point. So um, the next category would be the GLP-1 agonists. These, these are very, very popular now. Um, the two FDA approved ones for specifically for weight loss is Wigovi and Sethenda. Um, Sethenda has been around a little bit longer. Um, it's a daily injection. While Wigovi was um, approved um, just recently, and that one is a once a week injection. The demand is really high, so they're they're not that easy to get. Um, the way they work is they help to um, slow down the gastric emptying, and so basically the emptying of the stomach, and they help to suppress suppress appetite at the level of, of the brain. And um, so in that way, um, patients are able to lose weight. Um, as far as side effect, it would make sense that if gastric em emptying is slowed down, then patients will have more GI stuff like nausea. So basically what I tell patients is, hey, if you're not hungry, if you're, you know, usually they're supposed to do smaller meals. Um, if you're getting full, then you may want to stop eating because then you're, you're literally going to feel like you want to throw up. Um, but it works very well. So this class, um, actually, um, there are medic medicines for diabetic patients. So with the intake, um, obviously, if it's a patient that has diabetes, then we're looking at things like um, Ozempic or Trulicity, um, which are the same class and kind of do, basically do the same thing, but they're approved for diabetes. And then Manjaro is also in that list. But this, this for sure is the, the hot ticket right now. That's, that's what a lot of people, um, as far as we, even with marketing and stuff, know a lot about um, Ozempic, have heard about it. Um, and so depending on what's going on, so if the patient has diabetes, then I would use the other classes in the GLP category or try to get them either the Wigovia Sesenda. Yeah, and that's really an important point, I think, to um, bring up. And before you go to the last class of weight loss meds, because these are really the hot tip, a topic, I would love to stick with these for just a little bit. So um, like Dr. Uda said, there's really the same class of medicines has two indications. It can help your diabetes and all the diabetic related complications. And they are really under a different name, but then because they help so much with weight loss, the same class of medicines by, you know, suppressing appetite, slowing down gastric emptying, um, you know, can do quite significant weight loss and studies. And so, you know, it's, it's really one of those things that has taken the U S where obesity is obviously a huge problem as well as the world by storm. I mean, it's, it's, you know, I remember when at the time, 
you know, all the sort of erectile dysfunction meds came out. And it was like, I, I lived in the town where Pfizer was at the time. So it was just like, you know, medicine revolutionized. And I sort of feel like these GLP-1, um, you know, they have like sort of that same rave about them, right? Really, really popular. I mean, you it's, it's, um, you know, unfortunately, so it, we're finding that even it's hard for patients with diabetes to get the medicine because it's so popular that it's kind of, you know, transversing into the categories for um, diabetic patients. So we try to make sure that they, they definitely get their medicine, but it so works for you. Um, you know, and of course, you know, Kim Kardashian famously used the medicines to lose her last 10 pounds of whatever weight she wanted to lose. Like she was by no means fitting into the beast category. So of course there's like this whole trending thing. And I really wanted to talk to you about that. Like who in your practice do you consider a candidate for these medicines? So for the weight loss, obviously with diabetes, so the patients that have diabetes, um, for them, then it's treating the diabetes and then the weight loss is the side effect of the medicine, which is a, a great side effect. So in their case, it would just be um, the indication of, hey, your A1C is greater than you know 6.5 formally for, for um, diabetes. And then a lot of times, obviously, patients' A1Cs are higher than that and they really need it for sugar control. Now with weight loss, um, the formal definition is uh, BMI of greater than 30. Um, and um, the other category, if they're not um, BMI greater than 30 would be a BMI of 27, but with additional comorbidities, you know, either high cholesterol or, you know, some other um, condition that would qualify them. But usually uh, I think it's two comorbidities with a BMI of 27 to form. Awesome. And I love that you kind of clarified that. Sure. Because, you know, I'm sure there is so many people trying to use them as a shortcut. And I don't mean that weight loss is a shortcut at all. But, you know, I feel like it would absolutely not appropriate for me to say, well, I want to go from 125 to 118. Let me inject myself with whatever, because I have none of those comorbidities. And that's what I meant. I apologize. I did not mean to use the word shortcut as a bad thing, but I just mean that there's this huge potential for abuse, right? Of these sort of medicines, especially if in the celebrity culture, I would say that those, those examples. Yeah, it's, 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 the thing is obesity in itself is obviously a big problem because then it brings on the medical conditions that we kind of talked about, things like diabetes, um, high blood pressure, high cholesterol, arthritis, obstructive sleep apnea. So for, you know, for the patients that, you know, want the medicine, it's totally understandable that they, you know, um, want the medicine to lose weight to help with other things, uh, even pain, chronic pain, patients with back pain. Oh, and that's what I mean. I just wanted to make sure that we highlight that they're made for patients with obesity, right? Yeah. So, but we still have to make sure, you know, as far as um, qualification that they meet that category. So, yes. Yeah. And that's really all I wanted to say is that, you know, I think whenever you get some of these medicines, you do have that risk of, and especially as access right now is such an issue that patients with comorbidities, with diabetes, with a lot of complications from their obesity don't have access 
to the medicines. And yet there's this whole sort of subculture on the internet that's celebrating somebody going from 120 to 110 pounds. A lot of doctors like in the office, we really are, at least for me and the people I know, we really try to stick with the qualifications. Now, you know, we're talking about the medicines, but the other one that we alluded to earlier was the lifestyle. Cause even with doing the lifestyle, because a lot of the, the medications are usually a jump start they, to get you started, but the lifestyle actually, you know, the watching what you're eating, the high protein, low carb, um, the, you know, high veggie diet, watching what you're drinking, you know, drinking water 80% of the time, making sure you're sleeping, minimizing stress, all of that stuff matters because even if you lose um, the weight, if you don't keep those healthy habits, you most likely will gain it back. So a lot of the times it's a lot of the medicines and just the other things that we do is an adjunct, but we're hoping to get our patients to adopt that healthy lifestyle so that over the long haul, they're able to lose the weight and keep it off. So for me, I say, the, the hard part, to be honest with you, is not losing the weight, it's keeping it off. And that's yeah. what he's dealing with. So, yeah, and yeah. I do love the fact, though, that patients that have struggled with obesity have these newer options um, and that they have support from people like you. Um, how long should people stay on those medicines? Just really talking about losing the weight and keeping it off. Yeah. So, I mean, for me, um, you know, I know that, you know, there's some um, doctors that would like to restrict. For me, I think when I look at it from the perspective of all the other comorbidities that um, surround this, so I I would keep them for as long as they need it. Mm -hmm. um, if I can put them on one medicine and take off three, I think that's a win in my book, you know, because a lot of the times when they start losing that significant weight where I've had people that lose, you know, a hundred pounds or more and are able to, you know, keep it off. And usually when they're doing that much weight loss, it's not just the medicine, it's that and the lifestyle. Um, and so when they're doing all that, um, we want to make sure that they, they stay that way. So, Yes. And, and like you said, you know, if it's a jump start, what we're really kind of doing is also helping them kind of build that momentum, right? As we're jump starting and them, and then as they see their energy levels increasing and maybe able to go for a walk with their kids every day, or they see what the weight loss does and people are more motivated to stick to a high protein diet, things like that, that it's really, like you said, it's a whole body and mind transformation. Yes. I mean, and I don't think people realize, we, you know, we all don't realize how much it affects everything. A lot of the patients, when they start losing the weight, you know, come in and, you know, I'm sleeping better, doc. I'm not snoring as much. I'm not as tired. Just like you said, I'm able to spend time with, you know, my children without being exhausted. Um, you know, I feel better about myself. I feel more comfortable with myself. And, um, and, you know, it's that feeling good and looking good. And so it, it really permeates a lot of um, everyday life and other areas of their life more than they would expect. 
Yes. And, um, you know, when you put uh, somebody on the GLP-1s, um, I know that there is um, definitely some black box warnings or some kind of cautions. And could you just quickly go into what are, uh, which patients are not candidates for them, what to watch out for, and then also what kind of monitoring you do in terms of blood work or, you know, other things in your practice? So with the two conditions I kind of look out for would be history of pancreatitis and um, either like thyroid issues, thyroid cancer. So with, if there is a strong history of that, then I wouldn't use um, this particular medicine. Obviously, we have others like the stimulants, and we were going to talk about a few more. And so I will consider the other categories. Um in the setting of patients with diabetes, um, we usually tend to do blood work between three to six months. If they are well-controlled, it's every six months. If they are not well-controlled, it's every three months. And, you know, it's checking things like, you know, their A1C, um, their cholesterol, kidney function, liver. So we're tech checking a whole bunch of things. And then with the weight loss um, category, um, if they don't have any other comorbidities, usually we, we do check everything um, first. So kidney function, liver, so for the initial. Um, and then I usually check things like if, if a patient also mentions fatigue or tiredness, um, I'll check you know vitamin levels because sometimes that is um, part of the issue. So things like vitamin D, B12, folate, thyroid. Um, so all those things do get checked as well. Awesome. I love it. Is any kind of thyroid condition a contraindication to them? Because I know a lot of people do suffer from hypothyroidism or is it just specifically thyroid cancer? For, I would say ideally thyroid um, cancer, but for me, I'm very cautious. So if I hear anything thyroid related, I'm definitely taking a closer look. Awesome. What other things do you want to say about this class before we move on? What are some of the other questions you got? I think I think we got it. I think the main thing, just remember, you know, because of the slowing of gastric emptying, which I feel like, I mean, patients figure out later, is you want to, I, I do recommend maybe um, decreasing um, by half what you're eating because, you know, usually they'll figure it out later that <laughs> you just can't eat the same um, and so people are really surprised when that happens. So, but otherwise I think we covered um, most of it. So, yes. All right, moving on to the next class, take it away. All right, so yeah. Um, okay, so the next one would be um, Contrave. I have my little notes to make sure I don't miss anything. Um, that class, that medicine has, it's a combination of Wolbutrin and Narcan. Um, it works at the level of the brain um, to help with um, appetite. Um, this medicine is, is slow to build in your system. What I do um, look out for is because it's Narcan, it includes Narcan, which blocks um, opiate receptors, patients that are on chronic pain medicine wouldn't be a good candidate because it can basically put them in withdrawal. But um, so this is one of the ones that I think of um, when they're not a good candidate for GLP. But if they're not on any chronic um, opiate medicine, then um, they should be um, perfectly fine on this medicine. Well, butrin, we use it for um, depression and we use it um, in other scenarios um, for smoking cessation. Um, 
Wellbutrin, I find sometimes can make anxiety worse. So just by itself. So a lot of times I will keep that in mind. If I have a super, you know, anxious patient, I may not, you know, just for that reason. I haven't had that issue with Contrave, but just looking at the properties of both medicines separately. And so that's one of the options I use. Um, and then a new one, I haven't used it much, but um, it's a it's a it's a, a plenity. Um, and basically it's a um cellulose um hydrated hydrogel um molecule and basically patients can take with meals and basically what it does is bulk up the meal in their GI tract and it stays there um and so it just makes people feel full quicker it's because it doesn't get in the system then we don't have to worry about you know blood pressure or any other issues um as it stays in the GI tract um patients will um can have bloating or flatulence or gassiness or diarrhea so those are the kind of things um, with that medicine. And then, um, the last one, Orlistat, um, that one, um, affects your ability to, um, digest fat, but I think it gives a lot of flatulence and diarrhea and stuff like that. So, um, when I used it, um, you know, I just, for that reason, didn't want to use much of it for, for patients, but it is an option for sure. Um, and I think that's it. I mean, metformin is one that we use all the time um, with patients with diabetes and um, with um, things like PCOS. Um, uh, but, it, you know, I don't find that they lose a ton of weight on it, but it's definitely one that um, we use as well. And I think that's it. I think that covers most of the categories. That, that was have. an amazing list. Like there was some on there that I hadn't even heard of. So thank you so much. And, you know, sure. one of the themes about this podcast or that we seem to come back over and over again when we talk with experts is that really, you know, if you're going to go on a medicine or you want to have a medical weight loss to really go to an expert like yourself to go to a physician and not just kind of click on the ad on Facebook where somebody on the internet like prescribes it for you. I mean, I'm sure you have seen whenever you even want to just get information on it, like the first three pages of Google, you cannot even get any information. It's all like get prescribed in 10 minutes, like no, anything necessary. How do you feel about that? Well, I mean, you know, part of it is, you know, patients are, you know, trying to figure out what, you know, the answers and what they need. Um, and it happens a lot that we have patients come in, but I think it's kind of two-sided. They do get a lot of information, but the other thing is it does build a lot of anxiety because then, because right next to, so like whatever question it is, it's going to give you all of it. So it'll give you the benign stuff and straight up to cancer. So you don't know. So I will have patients that come in and it's not just this with anything. And, you know, they're freaking out because they saw that it could be, you know, cancer. So I would use it with a grain of salt. If you have a physician um, or a medical professional that you trust that you can see, then I would, you know, direct your questions and evaluation and treatment and all of that stuff to them. Um, you know, you can still look things up, but you know, I would, I would definitely go to a professional. So that way you kind of cut all that anxiety down and then get right to it. The only thing I will say is don't feel bad to ask your medical professional, your doctor, 
um, any question that you have um, because it works both ways. Um, you know, people are afraid to maybe come off like they don't know what's going on or come off like there's they, literally I've had patients. I don't want to feel like I'm asking you something I shouldn't be asking. No, that's what we're there for. And so I've had scenarios where it's it's a simple thing and it's just education um, versus it's a serious thing. And they didn't want to ask. And then they come in and it's, you know, it's, it's cancer. So we don't feel bad at all. It's our job to educate you. So if you come in, you have a question. I literally just talked to somebody about it. I think it was yesterday or two days ago. And I'm like, and she's apologized. I'm like, no, that's what we're here for. If it's just a matter of education, you ask the question, our job is to answer. And I always say the stupid question is the one you didn't ask. So we don't have any problem with it. Yes. And, you know, really, if you are considering that you might be a candidate for those that you want to do some medical supervised weight loss, like, please go see a physician, like, don't click on the get prescribed over the internet now button, like, please go see a doctor, because as you saw Dr. Udi just break that down, like, she really has a lot of tools in her box. And there's a lot she with her training and experience and having seen thousands and thousands and thousands of patients takes into account when making sure that you can get the safest medicine, you can get the medicine that doesn't exacerbate any of your other medical issues that doesn't exacerbate maybe your psychology by making you feel anxious or excessively tired or whatever. So, you know, please, you know, if you want to do that, I hope you're getting good information here, but don't click on the Google ad to get it prescribed now. Like, please go see a healthcare provider. I agree. I agree. Just make sure that you get someone that, that knows what they're doing. Yes. Yes. And um, so you actually do a lot of other things, um, which I kind of want to highlight. You are also an aesthetic medicine provider as part of your practice. You know, you do Botox, you do filler, you do some laser, you do some body sculpting. Um, so I'm sure for your patients, you probably do a lot of the overall kind of, you really do the making them feel better from all the angles. And what's your kind of philosophy with all of that? So, um, most of it, I mean, I'm primary care and a physician. So for me, it's always from the um, lens of prevention. So I'm always trying to figure out how to help people do, um, think of it, you know, lifestyle wise, do all the things to prevent. And then obviously, if you know, we're already there and we already have the ailments, then I have stuff in my toolbox to help with. So, and from that feeling good to looking good, it goes from, hey, mentally, how are you doing? You know, are you making sure that you're making time for yourself? Because a lot of my patients, um, you know, are female patients, moms, and, you know, obviously I'm a mom as well. And I know for, firsthand, you know, being busy, having children, having dependents, um, and we take care of everybody else and we put ourselves last and moms particularly feel really guilty about putting themselves first. And I'm like, it is not selfish at all to do that because you can't pour from an empty cup. So you have to make sure that you're okay because literally you're just going to be running on fumes and your family or loved ones are going to get what's left over. So 
if you, you know, if they, and they usually, they care about you, they want the best for you. So if you want to be able to give your best, you have to be at your best. Um, and so that's a lot of the times I talk about that as well, because patients will come in, you know, maybe depression, anxiety, um, they're not sleeping. And then once you really get down to it and get a history, it's my goodness. Yeah. You, of course you're stressed out. You, you're working this many hours. When's the last time you took time for yourself, you know? And so I talk about all those things from being proactive and planning your week ahead of time to, you know, what are you feeding your mind? What are you listening to? Um, are you taking time for yourself? Are you having me time? I think you should have me time at least once a week, but I always tell patients, if you can't manage that, then at least once a month where you have no responsibilities, even if it's for a few hours, obviously make sure your kids are with somebody you trust and you can take time to yourself. Um, and then obviously all the physical things that we talk about, making sure you have good physical activity, make sure you're eating well with the high protein diet, low carb lots of veggies, make sure you're drinking tons of water because that helps to hydrate you and remove toxins, you know, make sure you're sleeping, you're set between seven to nine hours. So, and on and on. And a lot of times people know this, it's, it's easy and simple, but I, I would say it's simple. I wouldn't say it's easy. It's simple, but it's, it's, it's easy to do and easy not to do literally. So I talk about all those things and then it's, everything starts from up here. And so then it's also what's, what's your personal radio station playing? What are you telling yourself? You know? And so I, I talk about all those things. And so to me, that feeling good and looking good, that's, that's from the perspective that, you know, I take it from. Yeah. I love that. And we completely agree. You know, I always say like my mission is to have everybody live their most like authentic and beautiful life. And I think it's sort of that same, that same philosophy, which I think it's always so fun to talk to people that kind of share this mission of, like you said, feeling good and looking good. So all of my aesthetic medicine providers that I have, I ask them, what is their favorite aesthetic procedure to perform? I would say for me, it would be a tie between um, Botox and filler, just because for me, it's just, it's such an easy, simple um, procedure. And it's just, especially filler, it's right away. You can just kind of see that difference right away. Botox takes a few days, you know, zoom in is, is the one I use a lot in my office and it's, it's right away. And it's just such a little thing to just give you an extra little pep in your step. And, and so I would say those two. Yes. And what's your favorite procedure to get? Oh, um, I say probably the Botox, um, just because, you know, you get, well, for me, those thinking lines. Yeah. So, um, it's, it's, again, it's very simple and, you know, even though I'm still thinking, I'm not having as much of the line. So for me, I would say the Botox is the more. I think that has been like the unanimous vote. Like, it's like, what are without Botox? What are we talking about? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So um, thank you again so much. And I would, and you also host a podcast, the weekly dose where you kind of answer all questions. And so if you have resonated with Dr. Ude, um, definitely check out the weekly dose, but I'm going to let you kind of tell all of our listeners exactly where they can find you for all the different things that you're doing. 
Okay. So you can find me online at my website for my practice. It's www.applevalleyfamilymed.com. Um, like you said, I have a podcast. It's um, namely uh, Weekly Dose with Dr. Uday. Um, it also streams on YouTube. Um, and I actually have it on Facebook as well. So on Facebook, it's our primary care um, site, which is the name of our practice, Apple Valley Family Medicine. So, And of course, for everybody who's driving, don't try to write this down. We have it in the show notes. So like any good podcast, all of this will be in the show notes. Um, thank you so much for coming on and for really kind of being our expert in this like really current and emerging topic. Um, this is exactly what the podcast is meant to do is to give you like real non-biased information from the expert. So thank you from the bottom of my heart. I'm sure our listeners really enjoyed it. And um, thank, thank you. you. Awesome. Thank you very much. Thank you for listening to the Aesthetic Doctor podcast with Dr. Judith Forger. We'd love to connect with you outside of the show. Follow Dr. Borger on Instagram at Dr. Borger and find more online and ways to work with Dr. Borger at www.theaestheticdoctor.com. Until next time, be well.